This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We are back after a few days off. I was driving down to Florida, and uh, lots changed since we last recorded. We had placed the Washington Nationals on the honor can. They had taken a 2-0 series lead. We had written off the ghost of Barbara Bush. We had joked that she got her ass kicked by the force of nature that is... Alex Ovechkin. Alex Ovechkin. And then she came back with a fury. Nats have dropped three straight at home. Astros could clinch the series tonight. So we need to do something about this. We need to do something about BBG, Barbara Bush's ghost. Does this call for a seance or an exorcism? I'm not sure what we do here. Like, do we need to hold a seance to to talk to Barbara Bush's ghost to try to to reason with her or do we need to do like an exorcism to flush out Barbara Bush's ghost uh well <laughs> i think all we have time for is a séance because where and who uh would we do the exorcism on well i did google an exorcism prayer that it warns <laughs> it warns that this should only be said by a priest <laughs> Catholic.org is is where we are sourcing this from. Um, like the seance, I, I also Googled this. How to conduct a seance. It says we need a round or an oval table, which we don't have. Um, we also didn't light any candles. Maybe we should do the exorcism just because I think we have, although none of us are a priest. Look, we're not going to be able to do either of these right. But I think we should do the exorcism just because it could be more powerful. So uh, just to be clear, Barbara Bush's ghost helped the Caps win the cup, but now we need an exorcism? Let's not discuss the metaphysics of how this works. All we know is that Barbara Bush's ghost is at work right now helping the Houston Astros win the World Series, and we need to do something about it. Okay. Right. So should we start from that last uh, stanza there? Can I get you to like hum or something? I'm not sure we need some like Okay. We we need some ambiance here. Mm-hmm. Thy mercy, Lord, descend upon us. As great as our hope in thee, we drive you from us. Whoever you may be, we know who you are. Barbara Bush's ghost. Unclean spirits, all satanic powers, all infernal invaders, all wicked legions. Assemblies and sex in the name and by the power of our Lord. May you be snatched away and driven from the church of God and from the souls made to the image and likeness of God and redeemed by the precious blood of the divine lamb. Barbara Bush's ghost, most cunning serpent. You shall no more dare to deceive the human race, prosecute the church, torment God's elect and swift them as wheat. We command you get out. Barbara Bush's ghost. Get out. Get out. All right, I think that did it. Yeah, this goes on. We should just stop right there. Yeah, this prayer is like extremely long. And uh, <laughs> I don't want like Sam's head to be turning in 360 <laughs> degrees. He gets. We're going to actually deal with an exorcism here if we keep at it. If I, get hit, if, if I get hit by a car and die on the walk home, 
It's definitely because of this. Well, and if the Nats win tonight, it's definitely because of this as well. <laughs> Either way, if if one of those two things happen, uh, one of us is probably going to convert to Catholicism. All right, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, programming notes. Last week, we recorded another edition of Chip Chat with journalist Chip Gibbons. He's got a new report out about the FBI's First Amendment abuses. Well, we have pulled that edition of Chip Chat from behind the paywall, released it this morning for free on SoundCloud. So you can listen to it on iTunes or SoundCloud, however you listen to District Sentinel Radio on the on the free airwaves. It is now available. So check it out. It's Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. Here's the news. Boeing president and CEO Dennis Mullenberg was called to testify before the Senate Commerce Committee to explain how the 737 MAX jet was certified by the FAA and allowed to fly despite known problems, which ultimately led to two crashes, killing 346 people. Mullenberg showed contrition during his testimony as families of crash victims were present in the hearing room. But he was raked over by both Republicans and Democrats on the committee who couldn't understand why the CEO wasn't notified about the technical problems on the plane, particularly after the first deadly crash. And there really is lots of evidence of technical problems, mainly from employees expressing concern internally. Before Mullenberg's testimony, a news report dropped showing that folks at Boeing were aware of the 737 MAX's problems as early as 2016, two years before the first crash involving Lion Airlines. Text messages were uncovered between two lead technical pilots at Boeing who were tasked with testing out the 737 MAX. In that text exchange, one pilot complains about the Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, or MCAS, later determined to be responsible for the crashes. The pilot says of the MCAS, quote, It's running rampant in the sim on me. The pilots lament that the test pilots kept them in the dark about how powerful the flight system was. One admits that as a result, he misled FAA regulators about the MCAS, quote, so I basically lied to the regulators unknowingly, end quote. Mullenberg claimed that to this day, he's still unsure what his technical pilots meant in that exchange. <laughs> Even though one of those pilots still works at Boeing, he could just ask this pilot but Mullenberg admitted he hasn't done that. Pretty disappointing that a single lawmaker called on Mullenberg to resign, but there was some useful discussion about how this incident highlights how flawed the current FAA aircraft certification process is. Currently, the FAA delegates certification to the industry. Reading from the Washington Post on how this works, quote, the agency's now 10-year-old policy of entrusting Boeing and other aviation manufacturers to certify that their own systems comply with U.S. air safety regulations. In practice, one Boeing engineer would conduct a test of a particular system on the MAX 8, while another Boeing engineer would act as the FAA's representative, signing off on behalf of the U.S. government that the technology complied with federal safety regulations. Well, in this case, that didn't work, which shouldn't surprise anyone. I mean, we have text messages showing Boeing pilots admitting to lying to the FAA as part of the certification process. Well, here was Congressman John Tester and Mullenberg debating this issue of self-certification. I know there was a push 
a number of decades ago about privatization of federal government, and I think that's how we got here, is privatization of government. But why don't we just turn over the certification back to the FAA and let them do it, and then they would be the ones sitting at this desk and not you. Why not do that? Well, Senator, uh, we, share, uh, we share your focus on safety, and uh, I can... Uh, I can confidently say that that is our number one priority. At the okay, company. cool. But we failed in this case, and there's a whole bunch of people back there that are going through incredible anguish because we failed. So, Senator, I, I agree, and and we uh, we feel terrible. So let's about that. let's We're get sorry. to the question. And, and look, there's I can pivot with the best of them. I know how to pivot. I know when people are pivoting. You're pivoting. Tell me if you would support having the FAA do the certification, Senator. We believe the delegated authority process that we have today yep. has contributed to improve safety over the last two decades. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, we are open to improving it, but uh, the idea that uh, uh, we can tap the deep technical expertise of our companies across the aerospace industry is a valuable part of the certification process, but the FAA is the certification authority and should be and should continue to be. Well, but, but, the, but they really aren't. Well, sounds like the Boeing CEO thinks that they still can be trusted to regulate themselves. And unfortunately, it might take a few more plane crashes for him to realize he's wrong. Well, it, it, we've just had a, a big financial crash and uh, the banks still want to regulate themselves, it seems. I, uh, I don't know if they're ever going to realize that they're wrong because they don't fucking want to. <laughs> they're paid. To not. Right. More aviation news. The Sentinel boys are plane boys today. More like anti-plane boys. Turning to a favorite topic of ours, the F-35. We talk about this flying piece of shit a lot, saying it won't take off in a drizzle. That's a joke, but just barely. In June, Military.com reported the F-35 is having trouble flying in extreme cold. <laughs> Also that month, Defense News revealed the F-35 is beset by then-previously-undiscussed technical deficiencies, quote, flaws and glitches that, if left unfixed, could create risks to pilot safety and call into question the fighter jet's ability to accomplish key parts of its mission, end of quote. Among the problems, pilots have to limit their top speed or else they risk damaging the F-35's airframe and its stealth coating, Air pressurization systems also aren't working properly, causing ear and sinus pain for pilots described as excruciating. Also, as the Daily Beast noted, F-35s that try to sharply gain altitude to, say, evade an enemy attack might go into an erratic, uncontrolled nosedive. Whoops. Well, that's one way to evade an enemy attack, I suppose. <laughs> this brings us to the actual news today. Despite these problems, the Pentagon announced the biggest F-35 order yet from Lockheed Martin, $34 billion to produce 478 more of their death traps. Here's a clip from a DOD press conference featuring Ellen Lord, former defense contractor and current Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment. Lord is attempting to explain why the Pentagon is asking Lockheed to ramp up production, even though the F-35 isn't ready for combat, because it doesn't work properly. 
we have ramped up significantly throughout the integrated supply chain. And what we have found is we did not have the capacity and the throughput for repair of repairables and spares. So we are lagging um, in some of those repair parts. We are particularly um, having issues in three areas. One is canopies, two is engine fuel hydraulic tubes, and then wingtip lenses. Um, so those are the areas, um, the particular parts that are holding us back. Bombing a village in order to save it? Ramping up production of a fucked jet fighter to make it work. Gotta love Pentagon brain. The F-35 program is expected to have a 60-year lifespan at the cost of almost $1.2 trillion. That's trillion with a T. In February, the total cost was revised up by $22 billion, a quarter of what it would cost to cover everyone's college tuition in the United States for a year. Look, I know we could send everyone to college for free and really benefit the long-term sustainability of our fucking country and the world and everything. But, but, our fighter jets can't fly in the cold. We got to retrofit them. Sorry. Sorry. The, the, the stealth coating just keeps melting off the canopy. Some disturbing news out of the Government Accountability Office. Religious-based hate crimes are on the rise on college campuses. J.O. found that the number of reported religious hate crimes more than doubled between 2009 and 2017, growing from 24 to 59 such incidents. Crimes reported to the Department of Justice increased during that time as well, from 103 to 189. These sorts of hate crimes were reported in colleges in 46 different states, plus Washington, D.C. They were on campuses that were in the city, in the suburbs, and in rural areas, both anti-Jewish and anti-Muslim. Hate crimes saw more than a two-fold increase between 2009 and 2017. All other religions actually saw a decline. The most frequent reported crime was vandalism, like spray-painting swastikas on Jewish student centers. Vandalism accounted for 61% of the hate crimes, intimidation 28%, and assault 5%. J.O. noted that total numbers of religious-based hate crimes are likely underreported, since victims often don't come forward out of fear. The oversight body made a number of recommendations to the Department of Justice to offer more resources for colleges to deal with the rise in reported religious-based hate crimes. Finally, we're ending on a high note. The Trump administration is admitting defeat on an initiative designed to make it tougher to hold protests in Washington. Today, the National Park Service noted it would be withdrawing a rule proposal entitled, quote, demonstrations and special events on the National Mall and Memorial Parks. The initial rule proposal was released last August, coincidentally, during the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process. If finalized, it would have tightened restrictions on protests on National Park property in downtown Washington, which is to say most of the areas where powerful people go to work. Specifically, the Trump administration had sought to decrease the number of people that could rally without a permit. It also wanted permanent security infrastructure in front of the White House and floated an idea to, quote, consider requiring permit applicants to pay fees to allow the NPS to recover some of the cost of admin administering permitted activities that contain protected speech, end of quote. They literally thought about forcing people to pay to protest and called it protecting speech. 
Fortunately, someone at the Park Service either thought better of this plan or just anticipated that not even our shitty federal judiciary would allow this one. There was no justification offered for the change of heart in today's Federal Register. Simply a note saying, quote, the National Park Service no longer intends to prepare a final rule and has terminated the rulemaking process. Huffington Post noted yesterday that the Park Service had received 140,000 comments about their proposal. The ACLU had noted that under the fee rule proposal, organizers would have been priced out from holding the March on Washington in 1963 when Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech from the Lincoln Memorial. And that'll wrap up the newscast today. Before we go, did you know we have a Patreon? I know some of you know because we talk about it pretty often, but you can support what we do, ensure that we keep producing these free newscasts Monday through Thursday by subscribing over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month is all it takes. You get access to all the bonus content we put out. Plus you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air by one of the two Sams. And we've got some poetry to read right now. This is for Derek. Legalize it. Sure. But also we should plant it like everywhere, man. Thank you. Derek, Sam Knight, going to be the Johnny Appleseed of weed. This one is for Alexander, flying overseas in a very safe plane because Boeing said it was. Thank you, Alexander. Yes, not worried at all. Thank you, Alexander. Again, that's patreon.com slash district sentinel. Subscribe five bucks a month or whatever you can spare. We'll throw a haiku your way for any subscription. All right, before we go, the listener rant line is blinking. Let's hear what y'all have to say. Uh, District Sentinel boys, what's up? It's Turd Snadwich here with an update about this Michaela Wilkes fundraiser and meet and greet. Um, uh, We got a chance to chat with Michaela and uh, have met with her and a few of her campaign staff, and they are really... Really impressive bunch. Um, I could not be more excited that there's a young insurgent blocking horns with uh, Steny Hoyer trying to take down one of the most powerful Democrats on Capitol Hill. Anyhow, we have, uh, along with the campaign, set up an Act Blue page for people to RSVP for the event. It's on November 10th. And I was hoping that you all would be willing to share this message and potentially the link uh, to the event page. Um, there are tickets available there, um, ranging from zero dollars to five hundred dollars. Uh, we really do not want there to be any sort of financial barrier to entry. We just are really excited for people to uh, come out and meet a really exciting um, young politician who is in her first ever campaign. So. Um, yeah, uh, if if you guys would be willing to put the URL in the show notes, that would be freaking rad. I guess the other option that I thought of was, uh, you know, if uh, barring that, um, happy to field emails from interested parties through uh, Patreon. Um, the name is Turd Snabich, and uh, I will really look forward, hopefully, to seeing some of y'all on November 10th. Thanks a lot. Be well. Sounds cool. Thank you, uh, Turd Snadwich. You had uh, 
raised this idea a few weeks ago. Looks like it's uh, it's it's up and running. Um, we'll we'll include the uh, the link in the show description and try and show up ourselves. I uh, I actually saw Michaela on Saturday. She uh, showed up to a rally for rent control. Oh, nice! In uh, in Mount Pleasant. She was recently endorsed by DSA here, wasn't she? She was. We've uh, had Michaela on the show a few times, including at our live show with the Street Bike Guys a few weeks ago. She is uh, inspirational. Yep. Okay. Call the rant line, 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it on air. That's it for the newscast. We will be back tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.